I got bit by a snake and I remember my hands swelling up and I could see my veins just popping out and I was just like, oh my God, what's happening? And then I looked up, I remember looking up at the at the sky and, oh no, I looked at the ground first and I saw this snake slithering away that just bit me. And I looked up at the sky and I saw these, this beam of light, this ray of light and it was like a window that just opened up and I looked up, it was a bright blue sky and then this just like I said, this ray of light just shined down upon me. And I felt like it was just God calling me, you know, saying, you need to come see me. So when I woke up, I knew right away what I needed to do. More than overcame adversity, I crush it and I murder thee. I'm further than you'll ever be on fire like that third degree. Thought it was impossible, said so in the chronicles. Out to prove wrong, that's how I overcame these obstacles. Thankful for the ones I love, you will rise, many fall. Thankful for the men above, blessed to be here standing tall. Highly specialized, change the game like a chameleon. Maximize your range, bounce like higher, stay resilient. Welcome to the Resilient Squad Podcast. This is episode four. I'm your host, Edgar Rodriguez, along with my lovely wife, Rosie. Hey, squad. So today we are here to talk about sobriety. I'm going to be going over eight steps to becoming sober. And these are steps that worked for me. It's not anything that's you know written down or anything like anywhere. So this is just stuff that worked for me. It might not work for you, but I wanted to kind of share my experiences and how, what I went through, what we went through as a couple and how that helped us become sober as a family. So, all right, so I think we're gonna get right to it. So I'm gonna have my lovely assistant, Rosie, ask me some questions. Then we're gonna go over the eight steps to becoming sober. And then we do have some questions from some of our squad members in our, that sent some uh, questions in our DMs. So if you have some questions right now as we're recording also, please send them as well. We'll be live for, for a few minutes, not for the whole time. So make sure you get your question in. All right, so go ahead and get started, ma'am. Yes. Don't so be too hard, though. <laughs> um, just, I know something um, probably a lot of people wonder, but at what age did you start drinking? I started drinking at the age of 15. I had my first drink at that age, and I, I got invited out. I think it was just like a, a party or something, or and I was just curious, you know, and I wanted to try it. And I remember getting a 40. It was a big 40-ounce of Old English malt liquor. And man, that thing, that thing got me messed up pretty quickly. I, I think I only drank half of it. And um, by the time I got home, I was just, I was, I walked in totally, you know, just dizzy and felt nauseous. And on my mind, I was like, why did I even drink this stuff? But, you know, that, that was the beginning. And I actually, you know, the next day, obviously you felt like crap, but I actually kind of enjoyed it in a ironic way. You know, I kind of liked the feeling of the buzzing feeling of how it made me feel and I was kind of looking forward to the following week to do it again. And that's where the pattern began. Do you feel that you were pressured or is that something you were curious? No, I was never pressured to drink. It was just, it's all I saw, you know, growing up. It was just something I was used to and it was normal, you know, just to, as a, as a man growing up, I think you were almost expected to drink, you know, that's the way I saw it at least. You're not a man if you don't drink. So I was just kind of following in those steps. So. But so, yeah, there was never any pressure. It was all my all my I was voluntary on my end. So but after after you're 15, you tried it that one time. You didn't like it, but you liked how you felt. So fast forward. How how was it for from then on? About how I felt? 
No, or like how did your drinking continue? I mean, were you looking forward to it? Were you excited about drinking? You know, oh, yeah. You that's, were what still was, that's what I was saying. Yeah, I was, I was looking forward to it. I got hooked immediately. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't wait for the following week to get drunk again, even though I felt like crap. But mm-hmm. Well, what about like here you are now an adult. You're in the Army. What, what was it like the, at that point? When I was in the Army, I mean, yeah, I mean, it just, it just kept every day was the same i just kept drinking you know every weekend it became a daily habit it became not only weekends but it was more of a daily thing and, and it just kept continued you know till till now you know i mean it's mm-hmm. just something you couldn't stop so were there any times throughout your life that you tried to stop drinking but it just wasn't successful yeah there was many times of course i tried i mean that's something that i think a lot of us go through that we say oh we're gonna quit you know that's it no more i'm not gonna drink anymore but um you know, it's like, it's it's hard once, you, once you're hooked on something, once you're addicted to something, you know, you wake up the next day feeling like crap, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to do it anymore, that's it, but it's easier said than done. I know I told you many times, right, that's it, and, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, I would try to stop, maybe go a week or two, maybe on a good good week, but I would fall right back into the trap and say, oh, I'm just going to drink, I'll just get a six-pack this time, or I'll just, you know, but then it just continues, it becomes a cycle, and it's hard to stop, so... Of course, yeah, there was many times I tried but couldn't couldn't stop, so. Okay. Um, I know that we had an incident where um, I found you in the tub. Do you think that was the time that you finally decided you were going to stop drinking? Yeah, I mean, no, I think that was the last straw. You know, as you know, we spoke in episode one about it briefly, about the letter you wrote to me. You know, obviously, for some of you that didn't hear episode one, go back and ep- listen to episode one. But, um but long story short, uh, basically, I came home intoxicated. My wife found me in the in the bathtub, passed out, and I was submerged underwater, probably seconds from drowning myself. And if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't be here today. So, but after that day, I think it was a definitely an eye opener. Was I was I was scared. I was shocked. I was couldn't believe what had happened, and I was I just said I need to do something. You know, I really need to do something this time. I had to do something drastic because otherwise. I might not be here anymore. So that was that was definitely the last straw that I said I need to do something and that was that's when I started to get the ball rolling and decided it's time to change my life and that's when I began with my kind of eight steps to becoming sober. So All right. So your eight steps to becoming sober. Um we'll start with step 1, which is acceptance. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, step one, I think, is acceptance. You have to accept the fact that you have a problem. You have to admit to the fact you have a problem, which many of us will not. That's the one thing. we First thing we say is, I don't have a drinking problem. You know, I, I, don't, I can control my drinking. I could only drink one beer. I could drink four beers and be okay, and that's the first problem. You know, when you say, when you can say to yourself, I have a problem, I need to stop, and I can't quit, I need help, that's your first step. You, you're in step one. You're ready to make a change, but you have to take that step. So that's always the hardest, like I said, because admitting the fact that you have a problem is something nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to say, I need help. Nobody wants to reach out, especially as a man. You don't want to reach out to help to anybody. So that was that was the hardest step, of course, but it's, it's also the easiest because once you decide to do something, then you just follow through with the rest of the plan. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, going to step two, what is your why? So your why is step two because you obviously have to have 
something you're working towards and that's with anything in life so find your why my why was of course my family which was you our kids that was my why but first of all i can't i can't be there to support you guys if i don't take care of myself so mm -hmm. your why actually starts with yourself first why because you need to be here because you need to be healthy you need to be a positive influence for your own family first before you can help before you can help anybody else you need to help yourself so but find your why for me it was my family and that's when you really have to dig deep and say you know there's nothing that can stop me now because i have i have something i'm working towards or you know somebody's watching me now somebody i have to set the example for them so that's a very important one as well mm -hmm. is your why so all right that's step two yep so step three um how did you finally take action take action is step three because you need after you come up with a plan you have to do something so for me it was fi finding something you know how, how can i change the path that i'm used to or what can i do to change things around me so for me taking action was actually um starting to go to the gym you know and i started working out and getting into fitness and i was looking for something else to f to f to fill those gaps of the times I was gone you know instead of going to the to the bars I was going to the gym to lift bars so <laughs> that makes sense mm -hmm. but take action definitely do something about it because we can all say I'm going to change I'm going to quit and but not do anything about it and that happened a lot with me so it wasn't until I actually said all right I'm going to do this and just do it and get it done that thing started to change so mm -hmm. so step four uh, the environment describe what that means to you environment means you have to change your environment because like for me one of the things that helped me get sober was changing my environment the places I used to go to the people I used to hang with I had to break that cycle because every time I would go back to those places that's when I'll be more prone to do it again and I would fall into the trap again and start over again like you know as you know I stopped I was a smoker too, so I stopped smoking for about four months. And then one time I went back to an, my old environment where I was hanging and I ended up doing it again. Mm -hmm. Because that's what happens when you, your mind is just, your mind is very smart. And, you know, and it, it, you have the power to control it, but sometimes, you know, it takes over. And it's very important that you, you set a different environment and set different things for you to go to and so you don't fall into those same traps. So, yep. Just quickly, something I remember about that night that you said you had already been, um, you, had on, you hadn't smoked already for four months, and then we went back to that environment. I don't know if you remember that night, but um, our son actually saw you smoking through the window. Yes, I and remember. And he came running to me crying and said, Mom, I, I just saw Dad doing drugs. <laughs> yeah. And what it was is you were smoking a cigarette, but for him, that was drugs. And I remember you were super upset with yourself because you already had stopped smoking it already had been four months and yes like you said the environment you went back to it and you went right back to that habit so yep so yeah that was definitely another mm -hmm. another time where i said you know that's it i need to stop smoking because i didn't want my kids to do what i was doing but that doesn't make any sense you know how do i why do i tell them not to do something yet i'm doing it mm -hmm. so it's, you know i'm being hypocritical so I needed to set the example and make the change so that they can follow in my footsteps. So, yeah. yeah. 
All right. So step five, um, positive influencers. Uh, positive influencers, obviously, that's a big one, too. You know, you, again, you got to change change your circle, you know, change the, the people you hang around with, the people that you look up to. You know, they say you're the if you're the smartest one in your group, you need to find a new group. So I've always felt I was one of the smarter ones and I was always wanting to wanting bigger, had bigger goals, bigger dreams, but I couldn't move forward because I was always being dragged down. And I felt that way at least. So I needed to break that circle and just get away from it all. But um, that's actually another hard one, you know, but find people that, that you connect with people that are on, on a higher level than you, that you want to get to, because that's how you learn. That's how you adapt. And mm-hmm. that's how you grow. Um, that's, you know, you'd, you'd be amazed how, how many people out there are willing to help you and willing to, to share what helped them, you know, move up in the world. And there's a lot of people that are willing to help. You know, sometimes, sometimes we, we see people and you think, oh, you know, I'll never have that or I'll mm-hmm. never be like that person because they had it easier. They probably had this and they don't they don't have the problems I have. But you'd be surprised. You know, a lot, a lot of the successful people have been through a lot of a lot of adversity. Oh, yeah. And it's crazy. But sometimes that adversity is what makes you stronger and makes you more resilient. So mm-hmm. and. But yeah, definitely finding people you can connect with, send send somebody a message, you know, reach out to whoever if you find somebody with a similar story as you, and they're always willing to help. Um, but no, regardless of what it is, so that's that's definitely very important. And I know that there's a lot of positive influencers that you've encountered throughout this journey. Um, name name two. <laughs> name two. <laughs> All right. Well, I would say. One of my one of the first ones I think um, that I, I I reached out to was um, I know he's actually he's actually a trainer right now is Luis Luis Montoya and he I remember seeing him and I remember he had a, a similar story you know like as far as being being overweight and was was in a bad situation and I remember seeing his story and I was like man like he he did this like and I was and I was just couldn't believe it like look what he did with his life and now he be, you know he became his personal trainer and fitness model and now it's it, was, it seemed very surreal if somebody I felt very connected with him because you know he's also uh, Latino and we were actually he was about the same weight as I was when I started my fitness journey but but anyway I reached out to him for help he he agreed to be my coach and he helped me out and helped me lose at the time I think it was like 20 pounds and I was just like wow you know it, it I was I was amazed that first of all like I said how how helpful he was and how he was always there for me regardless time or doesn't matter you know even when i finished the program he's always still there as a friend so that's something that like i said you know you reach out to people that are in a higher situation than you and they're always willing to help you but so he's somebody that i definitely admire and um like i said i still look up to him and i still ask him for for advice and help and he's always there to help me so thank you Luis, and i know he's on right now look (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hi, Luis. What's up, brother? Mm-hmm. Well, who else we got on there? Yeah, we're we got, we're we actually on um, on Instagram Live, so yes. Do we have any questions? We from actually people? got one. We got a, a question um, from uh, on our DMs. So we can't say from who, but we just no, say. we're not gonna say from who. But one of the questions is, when do you know that you have a problem? All right. So this actually goes back to almost the first question about it or first step about acceptance i mean when you know you have a problem is 
or is when you know when you have to go out and get a, get a drink or whatever or get your little fix on um without and you, and you have no control of it you know or when you say i don't have a problem is usually when you do have a problem <laughs> mm-hmm. you know because those who don't have a problem will never even say that they only there's no reason to say that mm-hmm. the ones that usually say i don't have a drinking problem are the ones that usually do have a problem so it's kind of weird to think about it like that but the thing like and i think again speaking from personal experience is like you know i would always say i don't have a drinking problem but yet mm-hmm. i couldn't go anywhere without getting you know getting um, drunk i would i would say i'm going to limit myself to drinks i'm just going to have a few mm-hmm. but what's a few mean you know two three four and as you know i always say oh, i'm going to drink one more yes i'm going to drink one more right yes and that's it yes and now it was always one more right always one more and i remember sometimes <laughs> it would be midnight kids were both sleeping already if we'd be at someone's house and I just, you know, look at you and say like, can we please go? And you nicely would just say, please, just one more. Yep. And yeah. you were always so nice to say, okay. <laughs> but so, yeah, um, like I said, the main thing to know when you have a problem is when you can't control your drinking anymore, when you crave it, when you have cravings for something like that and you can't, and you have to have it, you feel like I have to have a beer today. If you come home on a Friday night and be like, oh, I need a beer that's probably not a good sign you know like you're just it's more like a habit really and you're just a habit of drinking it's friday night or saturday night i need to go to the club i need to let loose and have some drinks you know that's that sounds like a problem too and not only that but it also you know affects your health it affects your eating your nutrition because usually when you're out drinking you end up you know what do you do you end up heading up the taco shop after or you know you always stay up stay up late you know you lose sleep you feel like crap the next day and um but yeah like i said the first step is admitting and accepting the fact that you have a problem so you know that's that's the main thing yep well let's um and there's a few more questions but let's continue with the steps we're at step six which is physical activity all right so this is one of my favorites like i said that helped me Step six to becoming sober is physical activity. Find some type of physical mm-hmm. activity that you like. You know, for me, for us, actually, it was first, it was a uh, fitness first. I, you know, I started going to the gym, working out. And then we also started hiking, which was super awesome. It was very therapeutic for us and getting outside and away from everyone. And just, it was just us, you know, connecting out, out there with the mountains and the outdoors. It was so serene and beautiful and it was very nice and physical activity um it actually became easier too when you came along because at first i was just doing it by myself and that was kind of hard you know like because i i did feel like i I felt a lot harder to do it on my own even though i know she was always there supporting me but it it wasn't the same i felt i felt kind of like you know i was i wasn't on the same we weren't on the same page as a family because I was the only one into into fitness and trying to work out and change lifestyles, but yet we were still doing some of the same things as we were doing before. So it wasn't until you came on board that's, you know, I think I told you, you know, or you should join me, you know, in, in my, why don't you come to the gym with me and work out? And you came and then you liked it. So, and that's kind of, and I got hooked. And that's, what, <laughs> and that's what kicked it off. And now we both, now we all do it as a family. Yes. And it's, it's a, it's a domino effect, you know, now, now my kids um, end up 
they want to do what we're doing, you know. Now they want to they want to go work out. And they say on weekends, can we go to the gym and work out? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's go, you know. So yes. it's awesome. It's an awesome feeling. Not only that, but you feel great. You feel better about yourself. You lose weight. It's an all-around great feeling, you know. You don't wake up hungover. You don't wake up feeling like crap. I mean, you do wake up sore sometimes, but that's okay. It's a good type <laughs> of sore. Yes. And, um, you know, not only, like I said, the other thing you have to think about is all, like I said, the, the health benefits, too, that come with it because... You know, usually when you're working now, you try, you watch your nutrition as well, and you end up eating better, and, you know, we're, we're all striving to be healthier overall. You know, that's mm-hmm. the main goal. So, and, um, you know, I know, like, there's people that drink, they drink beer, they drink wine, and they have their one glass a day, and that's perfectly fine. You know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, that's, there's, pe- there's a lot of health benefits to that as well, and I understand that. But for people like me, I could not have just one drink. Mm-hmm. So, like for me, I was just like, wait, wait, what do you mean you're gonna have one beer? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I would buy a, a case of beer to drink that night, and then buy another case of beer to have as backup one for when I ran out, mm-hmm. because I didn't want to run out of beer, and that's a problem. But yes. I didn't see it as a problem. I just saw it as I was just being prepared, you know. And I always like to have an abundance of things, and even here today with stuff, you know, I like to get <laughs> two or three of an item because I hate running out. Yeah. I always tell you when you go to the store, right? Yes. Can you buy extra? Because yeah. when I have one item left, I like to have another item ready to go. Yes. So we never run out. And I'd rather buy extra tapatillo than extra beer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We do have a few more questions, but we are live. We're about to um, shut down our live right now. You guys can tune in later um, yes. for the, the rest of the podcast. And we have a few more questions that we're going to be answering. So we'll hope you guys tune in tonight. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Yes. That was for our Instagram lives, people. But yes. um, we have a few more questions that they submitted. So we'll be going over those here in a few minutes. All right. So that was physical activity, step six. Yes. So, so let's s- move on. We are going now to step seven, and that is get up early. All right. What so does get up that early. Mean? So this one also was a difficult one for me, but uh, get up early was is something that helped me also change lifestyle because before you know i was the type of person that said i'm not a, i'm not a morning person there's no way i can get up early you know i would because i was used to staying up late you know till midnight one two in the morning three in the morning sometimes and then still going to work and you know and that was that was always a hard thing to do and i was, you know i always wanted to sleep in but mostly because I was also still drunk and didn't want to get up. And I was like, oh, you know, just life sucks. <laughs> yeah. But I started actually, I started little by little, you know. I think I started like moving the clock back to, let's say, 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. I mm-hmm. used to get up at, like, say, 6.30 or 7. So I started by 6 a.m., getting up early. All right. So that once I got into routine, into a habit of that, then I said, all right, now I'm going to start getting up at 5.30 and you work your way backwards like that. And um, actually, I, I read a book. What was it called? The Morning Morning Routine. I forgot the name of the book, but I'll have to look it up. But um, but anyway, um, so getting up early was a very important thing. Now we end up. Now I I got it down to getting up at four a.m. You get up <laughs> at three thirty sometimes. Yes. And there's times <laughs> I get up at three thirty too. But I don't look at it really as getting up early anymore. It's just more like getting up to get our goals accomplished, you know, to do what we want to do. Because we all have the same 24 hours in a day. You know, we look at people that 
that have all these things and you know are successful and you think about it and a lot of them have many jobs or you know many businesses that they run and they still get up early and go work out so you you know for mm-hmm. some of us to say i don't have time to work out or i don't have time for this like you do you know that's the that's just an excuse that we all put to ourselves because it only takes what 30 minutes all you need is a good 20 30 minute workout really in reality to get a good workout so 20 to 30 minutes out of a 24-hour time period is not a long time. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to do it all at once. I mean, you can, you know, we all have a 30-minute lunch or an hour lunch on your lunch break, right? You can go for a walk. I, one thing I used to do, too, when, um, when I didn't want to get up early was I used to go to the gym on my lunch at work. Mm-hmm. I talked to my boss, and this is actually a, a great idea for some of you out there that, you know, don't feel like you don't have time. If you have an hour lunch, you know, talk to your boss. Sometimes they'll be cool about it and ask them if you can take an hour and a half lunch. That way you're not rushed and just stay a half hour later. Mm -hmm. So that way you take your gym clothes, your lunch break comes, you go to the gym, go to your nearest gym, change clothes, get your workout on for about an hour or so. You still have time to shower and then get back in your car. And then I would usually eat my meal on the way back to work. Mm -hmm. So that would take me an hour and a half. And I love that that schedule because I didn't have to get up early. I didn't have to get up earlier mm-hmm. and I didn't have to stay super late. Mm-hmm. It was in the middle of the day. You come back to work feeling refreshed. Make sure you take a shower. <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, and then, you know, and that way you knock it out without getting up early. But like I said, for me, getting up early became a routine. It became something I love. I love getting up before the world does <laughs> and just being out there when it's still dark. Yes. I, it's a time to reflect on life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just feel blessed to be able to do that every day. Yes, I agree. Because getting up early, it's it's a different kind of feeling versus like staying up late. I don't know. For some reason, I'm out driving to the gym. And, you know, it's 4 a.m. It's so peaceful outside. Zach, <laughs> it is. By the way, Zach is something we say instead of exactly, right? <laughs> yes, that is. So instead of exactly, we used to say exact, <laughs> and now we just say Zach. Yeah. <laughs> so Zach means exactly. <laughs> All right, here's another question. Um, what was the most difficult part in making your change? Let's see. The most difficult part was changing, you know, just changing my whole lifestyle. You know, it's almost like you have to become a different person, you know, like almost like a, you know, like when you play a video game and you have different characters or different suits, you have to jump to another suit and become another person because that old person, you got to bury that old person that you don't want to be anymore. And I I don't want to be the same old person anymore. I, I needed to be a new, different person. And that was the most difficult part because yeah people will tell you you've changed you're different you're not the same you're a sellout you'll get all kinds of stuff but you know all that doesn't matter because you have to do what's right for you and as long as you're happy and your family's happy and you're healthy and you're not breaking any laws then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks mm-hmm. so that's the most difficult part is like i said making the lifestyle change changing and, and you don't have to change completely who you are. You know, I don't mean that. But, you know, you, you have to change your habits, your environments, and all those things, like I said, end up making you a different person in reality. So mm-hmm. um, definitely a hard part, but it's doable. Yes. All right. So the final step and the eight steps to becoming sober, you put God. So 
tell us a little about about how because we've all you've always had God in your life, but what has changed? So this for me, like I said, was the eighth step. However, in reality, it really should be your first step, step one. Although I did it backwards, but um, definitely an important step. And it was was finding God again in my life, and you know, and I think I spoke about it in one of my episodes. I can't remember which one, but about you know a dream I had, and you know I was I went I went a long time, a long period without you know focusing too much on God, and I and I felt alone. I was feeling depressed, and and I knew I was missing something from this lifestyle change until the night I had a dream. Um, this dream I had in you know January of this year, I, mm-hmm. and I woke up. And I remember telling you about it right away, and I was just like, I had this dream, you know, and and I and I had been depressed for a few weeks, and I was just in a really low place in my life, and you know, this dream was this. I got bit by a snake, and I remember my hands swelling up, and I could see my veins just popping out, and I was just like, oh my god, what's happening? And then I looked up. I remember looking up at the at the sky, and. Oh, no, I looked at the ground first, and I saw this snake slithering away that just bit me. And I looked up at the sky, and I saw these, this beam of light, this ray of light. And it was like a window that just opened up. And I looked up, it was a bright blue sky, and this, just like I said, this ray of light just shined down upon me. And I felt like it was just God calling me, you know, saying, you need to come see me. So when I woke up, I knew right away what I needed to do. And I had been thinking about, you know, going to church and I hadn't gone in a long time. So I decided, you know, I told you, you know, I really want to do this. I'd love it if you guys would join me. So, yeah, we went and we loved it. And it was like it was like the missing piece to the puzzle. You know, I felt complete again and I felt just relieved and alive again. So, but like I said, that's definitely the should be the first step and anyone else's journey is you got to find God first because he's going to help guide you through all the other steps and he's the one that's going to be there mm-hmm. to help through it all when you know when you especially when you need somebody to talk to when you need somebody to guide you he's going to help you so yep I agree I agree 100% so if you could do this do it all over again um would you do anything different I think I would I would have just started sooner, you know, like I wish I would have started a lot sooner. But, you know, here I am, 43 years old today, 43 years young. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) I do feel pretty young, though. But (laughs) and, um, you know, the only thing, like I said, it's it's not really a regret. But, you know, if I could have done it sooner, that would have been kind of nice. But, you know, because as we get older, it's, uh, you know, the bones start hurting a little more, a little more aching everywhere. But. It's okay, you know. We all we all live through some type of pain, and we all that's the thing. Like no matter what age you are, um, it's you always have time. You know, we always say, "Oh, I'm too old for that," or "I'm I'm already in my 40s, I'm already in my 50s," or you still have a long life to live. You know, I know I, we hear a lot of time that life is short, but I in my in my mind I feel like life is long. You know, we have a a long life to live. You know, obviously we don't know if tomorrow's coming, but you don't have to worry about that because if you're not here, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Zach. so you know live your life and and that's it you know and thank god i've been here you know 43 years and and who knows how much longer we'll be here but you know live for today yes and yeah i wish i would have started sooner but everything happens for a reason and i think i wouldn't be the person i am today if i hadn't gone through the stuff i went through yes so look at it that way you know Mm -hmm. and 
and like I said, never, never think like you, you got the bad hand dealt or whatever. Cause I've, I've heard lots of stories and people in many, many bad and worse situations mm-hmm. that have, that have made it through. And, you know, you, you'd be amazed, like I said, how, how many people, how many stories like that. And that's why, that's why we made this podcast. We wanted to bring people on and talk about their stories and share their uh, stories of overcoming their adversity so you guys can listen and maybe relate to one of them and and have hope you know hope mm-hmm. that you can change because i know it's not easy you know it took me almost 30 years almost 30 years to make my change mm-hmm. but like i said it's never too late man so don't ever give up yes and i know that you've been pretty open with our kids about your entire journey i remember when we first um, got married i would tell you like when we have kids don't tell them all the stuff you used to do because I was afraid that that's something that they would almost be encouraged to mm-hmm. do. But now that we talk to them, it's it's a whole different you know perspective. And they see the changes that you've made. And as you've seen, they go up to you and they're like, Dad, like, I'm proud of you. You know, I'm, I don't want to drink because you gave it up for me. Things like that it just means the world. So. Yes, it does. That's the best feeling ever. So, you know, like I said, you have to set the example and... You know, before I wouldn't approve if my kids wanted to drink or smoke. So, but yet I was doing it and I was trying to mm-hmm. hide it and be hypocritical about it. And that wasn't cool, but that's what addiction does to you. You know, it's something you can't stop and you don't want, you don't wish it on anybody else, but you just can't stop no matter how hard you try. And for, for some of us, it, like I said, it's just a lifestyle and it's just something you're used to and you're comfortable. And you say, oh, there's no way I can do that because, you know, uh, there's a party next week and I got to go and I got to go have my beer and I got to go drink. And, and that's okay if that's what you want to do. If you're happy, if you're happy, you're happy. And that's okay. If mm-hmm. you don't, if as long as your, your family's taken care of and you, and you don't have any problem. And, and if you think that you're okay, if you don't have any problems drinking, ask your spouse and see how she feels and make sure that she's on the same page. Cause sometimes I know like you, you wouldn't tell me how you really felt and you would just support me and say, okay, yeah, let's mm-hmm. go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's go. But honestly, ask your spouse, be, I mean, be honest with me and tell me up front, mm-hmm. how do you really feel when I drink? Or how do you really feel? Do you, you know, do you want to make a lifestyle change or are you happy with the way we are? And it could be the opposite, too. It could be the, the wife that drinks. And, you know, so just equally, you know, the, the same the same question can be both sides. So Yeah, like I said, it's it's not putting anyone down that drinks because there's people that do it responsibly and that's OK, you know. Mm-hmm. I know, I know for a fact there is, and like I said, people just maybe when I go and have one drink and end the night there, boom, and that's cool if you want to do that. But like I said, for me, I couldn't do that, and I had to find a way, a different way out, where I don't, I'm no longer tempted, and I lo- no longer have to worry if I'm gonna slip and fall again, because I was tired of falling so many times, yep. as you know. And I, I remember, um, I think we must have been about ten years in our marriage thinking to myself like wow I think this is just going to be what the rest of our life is going to be like you know every every weekend is going to be the same thing you know whose house are we going to next how many people are we inviting today um it's just I remember thinking is there ever uh you know is there any couples out there that don't um you know that their lives don't involve alcohol and then I'd kind of wake up and be like no there isn't there isn't because it doesn't exist um until now you know fast forward we're, we just had our 18th year anniversary and um we were home early 
we went out on a little date, but we were in our, you know, showered in our pajamas already, mm. like at 8 p.m. <laughs> and that was perfect. Yep. Yeah, it was. And that's something like me, too. Like I said before, I remember imagining what my life would be like in 10 years. And really, the only vision I had was being being out somewhere, like around the bonfire or something and drinking. Like mm-hmm. That, to me, was my vision. Mm-hmm. Drinking and smoking beer and just hanging out, you know. That's yeah. very, now that I think about it, that's that's kind of sad if that's your vision. But now I, I think about in 10 years, what I, you know, what do I see myself doing? I see myself doing an Ironman, climbing some of the oh biggest gosh. mountains in the world. And by the way, that means you too, <laughs> Zach, not just me, because everything I do, you're going to do too. <laughs> Climb some bigger mountains. Ooh. We're just I'm scared. Lift heavier weights <laughs> and just continue. But know, yes, continue um, with life and I'm all in getting better. Um, we have some new uh, business ideas coming up as well, and you know that's just continue growing our brand. Yes, um, you know Resilient Squad, something we've had for three years now, and which is like I said, our lifestyle brand inspired by people who have been knocked down by life to bounce back higher. So that's what we represent. That's what we're about, and just know that you know we're all we're all we can all learn to be resilient and bounce back you know n- nobody's born with that skill you know you have something you have to acquire and it takes time sometimes and and that's okay mm-hmm. so just know that if 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 you're going through some struggles something's bad it's it's it doesn't mean it has to end there that's not how your story has to end that's right that is right so before we finish up what advice would you give to somebody struggling that wants to quit their addiction so for somebody struggling that wants to quit, I mean, like I said, I would say go through the steps, you know, start with the eight steps. And like I said, and, you know, first, like I said, first of all, you have to uh, recognize that you have a problem and want to change. That's yes. the number one, because you can't you can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped. You that can't help someone. True. You can't help someone that doesn't want to change or they think that doesn't have a problem because then it's just irrelevant. And whatever you say is going to go in one year, not the other. Mm-hmm. But if somebody says, I have a problem and I need to stop and I want help, that's the first step right there. And my advice, like I said, would be to go through the eight steps is acceptance, find your why, take action, change your environment, find positive influencers, mm-hmm. find some type of physical activity to keep you busy, start waking up early, and of course, trust in God. But mm-hmm. though God should be first. Yes. Like I said, but. Um, oh, wait, I did forget. You have to name one more positive influencer. So the other positive influencer, actually, we should have been, you should have been number one, but it's you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, because like I said, you were one of those that never drank or never smoked. And you were always our designated driver. So it's like yes. something I know even for for a there was a time when I was actually trying to get her to drink, you know, and trying to get her to be part of the crowd because I felt she was, like, left out. And I was like, come on, you know, you don't want to try this, you want to try that? She'll be like, no, no, that's okay. And I'd be like, okay, you know. I just wanted her to be happy, but she was happy. And I, I something I couldn't understand, like, how can somebody be, be happy without alcohol, but mm-hmm. without drinking? But you were always perfectly happy, and I couldn't imagine a life like... I couldn't imagine a life without alcohol. Mm-hmm. But so you're definitely a big influence in my life because... I always wanted to be like that, be somebody like that, that can have fun without alcohol, and you've taught me that. So thank you. Thank you, Papa. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
All right, so I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. And like I said about sobriety, and just wanted to talk about what helped me, what helped us as a family overcome that. You know, and like I said, I actually started about four years ago is when I actually made the jump to change my lifestyle. But I would only have like one drink or, you know, I was only drinking like once or twice every week. And then sometimes once every two weeks. So I was slowly decreasing the amount I was drinking, but I still hadn't fully committed. So it wasn't until last year on July 7th, which was our anniversary, we were out on a date having sushi. And, you know, with sushi, you got to have a beer, right? So you don't. You don't have well, to. back then you did. <laughs> back then I did. Yes. So I was having my beer with my sushi, and I was like, all right. And nothing wrong with that, like I said. But in my mind, I just thought, like, what's the point of me having one drink? Why am I even having a drink today? Why can't I have a water or soda or something else, I don't know, besides beer? So that day is when I decided I'm not going to have any more beer to- after today. This is it. And since then, I haven't. So it's been just over a year. Just Last week was yep. a year. So happy non-alcoholic anniversary so one year sober wow something i never thought i would say you know and and now it honestly it does get easier you know there's still days well obviously there's still days where i do crave a beer you know i'm not gonna lie and but not all the time it's very rare and again i think a lot of times it depends on environment on where you're at where you're hanging out and -hmm. that's why i try to keep myself busy man and for me, my new addiction is the gym. I love going to the gym and just lifting heavy weights and I crank the music up my earphones and just get to work, you know, and tune everybody out. And that's like a new type of high. And that's that's how I get my fix on, if you want to call it that now. But um, it's something I love. It's something that's good for you. You know, you feel good. You look you look better and overall and your health is better. So so you can't beat that. And especially if your your kids are watching and they want to follow along. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, one year sober for us as a family. Yes. And can't wait for, you know, maybe we'll tune do another episode in a year and see where we're at and tell you how the second year went. Absolutely. But yeah, so if you guys still have any questions, you feel free to send us messages on our, uh, where can they find us on social media? On resiliencesquad.com. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram. What are the handles? Twitter. All Resilient Squad. At Resilient Squad on At all Resilient of them. At Resilient Squad, yep. And then we also have our individual um, accounts. You're at the mine, Resilient Coach. Mine is the Resilient Coach. And mine is at Miss, Mrs. Resilient. So if you have any questions, you can contact us there directly. Um, have any ideas or if you'd like to be featured on a podcast, we'd love to hear your story as well. So mm-hmm. we always welcome you know people that want to share their stories. We'd love to have you as well. So... This, this podcast is for, for all of you, and we'd love to have you on. So with that being said, thank you, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. More than overcame adversity, I crushed it and I murdered thee. I'm further than you'll ever be on fire like that third degree. Thought it wasn't possible, said so in the chronicles. How to prove it wrong, that's how I overcame these obstacles. Thankful for the ones I love, you will rise, many fall. Thankful for the men above, blessed to be here standing tall. Highly specialized, change the game like a chameleon. Maximize your range, bounce back higher, stay resilient.